This is CTV News Toronto at 6, and we are live over Markham right now with breaking news, where police say they have discovered an infant at a hotel near Highway 7 and Woodbine Avenue, and the child is in dire need of medical attention. The two-month-old has been taken to hospital and is now receiving critical care. Officers say they were called to the building shortly after 2 p.m. They have one man in custody. There's no word yet whether he and the baby are known to each other. Police are expected to update the situation in a short while. We're closely monitoring this story and we'll bring you all the latest developments as they come in. We turn now to news from Ottawa that affects millions of people in this province and one of our most vulnerable communities. New standards designed to upgrade the care for our seniors and hopefully prevent a repeat of the devastation caused by the pandemic. CTV's Allison Hurst joins us now. And Allison, there are concerns about how those measures will be applied here at home. Those who penned the report say it's now up to the Ford government whether they're going to implement the new standards. J.C. Ruhala visits her dad almost daily. He has advanced Parkinson's and lives in a long-term care home near her apartment. He has good days and bad days. He's one of the millions who would benefit from improved standards, especially based on what she witnesses almost daily. I welcome anyone to go spend three hours in a home and hear the cries, uh, the people that want to hold your hands because they're scared. The new guidelines were released by the Health Standards Organization, reporting all residents should receive a minimum of four hours of direct care each day, and those who work there should earn more. I can't but help to be optimistic because we can't go back to where we, uh, what we witnessed, um, which was actually of our own doing. The new guidance follows the tragic and deadly toll the pandemic took on long-term care residents, highlighting cracks in the system. Frankly, if every premier and health minister that has cried openly and shed a tear and saying this is a travesty that we should never repeat, well, now you've got the blueprint. Long-term care minister Paul Calandra was asked about the implementation and enforcement of the new standards. We'll take a look at them. I have, uh, in the process of reviewing them, I have no interest in watering down what Ontario is already doing. So if, if uh, the federal standards don't meet our standards. It's laughable to hear Ontario say that they don't want to water down their their standards any further given that our sector is still in complete shambles many researchers and experts want to see the standards made mandatory at a federal level uh, we recognize the responsibility and the jurisdiction of provinces in these areas but i think all canadians regardless of the order of government uh, want seniors to have the best quality of care possible the federal government set aside $3 billion in the 2021 budget to help provinces and territories with long-term care. That same year, the parliamentary budget officer estimated it would cost an additional $4.3 billion each year to expand to the now recommended four hours of daily care. The key challenges going forward are really those foundational issues uh, for long-term care being chronic underfunding. Uh, staffing shortages, and aged infrastructure. Ruhala worries this report may just be lip service. Unless I see proof, then, like, nothing, it means nothing to me. You know, what I know is certain is my dad. They know, like, he deserves to have, you know, the care. At the quality that's now recommended. Health negotiations are set to start next week with the premiers and the prime minister all meeting together and advocates are hopeful long-term care will be a key point. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Allison. And you can read more about the long-term care home guidelines on our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. 
The province tonight making efforts locally to raise standards in long-term care homes. The LTC minister and his health counterpart announced pilot projects at Humber River Hospital and Barry's Royal Victoria Health Centre. They're aimed at helping long-term care residents get faster access to diagnostic tests and are said to include transportation to appointments and increased access to a nurse navigator who can help coordinate services. In what seems like a daily occurrence now, police are investigating a frightening situation involving public transit. A fight broke out at Union Station during the morning rush, causing some commotion. No injuries were reported, but this latest incident has many people on edge. It also comes as the TTC works to fix its reputation and get a handle on this spate of violence. CTV Scott Lightfoot is at Union Station with more on the TTC's efforts. Scott. Rahim, along with the previously announced uniformed police officers that will be riding the TTC, the city has announced specialized security guards will also be taking to the transit system with training in mental health crisis as well as overdose prevention and detection. There will also be community safety ambassadors who will work with those experiencing homelessness. These are all to try and help alleviate some of the issues that have been plaguing the TTC, but many riders we spoke to say they're not sure it's going to work. It's the latest effort to enhance safety on the TTC. Honestly, I don't really think it's going to make a really big difference. The city says 50 security guards with advanced training in mental health first aid, overdose recognition and prevention, and nonviolent crisis intervention will be placed throughout the transit system. There's a lot of people that take the TTC every day, so I don't know if 50 is enough. So too will more than 20 community safety ambassadors to provide outreach to those experiencing homelessness. I don't know if it's actually going to make a difference or not, but I guess we're going to have to wait and see. The TTC says they've also updated their schedules to ensure increased employee presence during peak times in areas they consider hot spots. You notice a very nervous energy when you're on the TTC. The moves come just days after Toronto police announced they would be deploying 80 uniformed officers across the transit system. I guess we'll see uh, if it leads to less incidents, but I don't necessarily feel safer with the larger police or security presence. The city hasn't said how much all of this will cost or how long these temporary measures will be in place. There's a lot of questions that we still have about the investments, but obviously the mayor is hearing from people that police is the wrong approach to prevent violence. The advocacy group TTC Riders aren't the only ones asking questions. I think that these announcements are coming without a lot of planning. Uh, there, you know, We don't have a lot of answers. Uh, to begin with about the announcement last week and now we've got a new announcement this week. Six city councillors have written an open letter to the mayor asking for more details and more information on what other alternatives have been considered. Are we going to get answers to our questions? I, I doubt it. I doubt it that it's going to happen fast enough for the people of the city to really land on whether this is a good idea. At this point, many riders seem unconvinced that the changes being made will have much effect on keeping transit riders and employees safe. It's more like bringing a bucket to a house fire, right? So you can bring as many buckets as you want, but it's not a hose. Honestly, I don't know. I feel lost at this point. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Councillor Bravo says she would like to see some evidence from the mayor's office that any of these plans may actually work. She says that some of these things that have been tried in other cities actually had the opposite effect to what they were supposed to do. She also says the mayor should listen more to TTC riders and those who work on the transit system. The group TTC riders has planned a town hall meeting a week from Thursday night at Centennial College. There will also be an option for people to join online. We're live on Front Street. I'm Scott Lightfoot. Raheem, back to you. Thank you, Scott.
Decriminalizing drugs in Canada. Small amounts of heroin, fentanyl and cocaine are no longer a criminal offense in BC. Advocates say the move will prevent overdoses. Could Toronto be next to make hard drugs legal? A live look at the city tonight, and if you think it is cold now, just wait. You may need to add a few more layers in the coming days before you head outside. The skyline looking just gorgeous. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. Uh, the wind chill tonight going to bring us well into the deep freeze. Oh, that is for sure. And by Friday night into Saturday, Michelle, those wind chills are going to be dangerous. We'll get to that forecast coming up, but let's talk about the here and now. Minus 8 degrees in Toronto currently. Wind chill, minus 14. It's cold right around the GTA, but the city of Toronto itself has issued an extreme cold weather alert that was issued yesterday. It remains in effect for tonight. Not a whole lot of active weather, but there is some lake effect snow impacting areas to the east of Georgian Bay. I'm going to show you the weather advisories that have returned for this area, including a snow squall warning for Perry Sound with up to 20 centimeters of snow possible. We don't need to worry about that here locally in Toronto, but again, we are entering what could end up feeling like a pretty brutal cold snap. The Good news is it will be short-lived. I'll show you when we're expected to get some relief from this extreme cold coming up in your forecast. For now, Raheem, over to you. Thank you, Lindsay. Police are investigating what caused an afternoon rush hour collision in North York. They say a woman was hit by a vehicle near Young and Church Avenue just before 3.30. She's said to be in her 30s and had to be taken to a trauma center with non-life-threatening injuries. Police say the driver remained on scene. Three people are recovering tonight following a crash along the 401 this morning. Police say four vehicles were involved, including a transport truck. This crash shut down the highway near here, Ontario, for a large chunk of the day. No word on what caused the incident. The operator of the truck has been charged with careless driving. A new health initiative in B.C. is turning heads in Toronto. Starting today, substance users caught with small amounts of certain drugs won't face arrest or fines. CTV's Natalie Johnson looks into a similar plan being mulled over here and whether the measure could help put a dent in an exploding health crisis. On Queen Street East, a memorial dedicated to lives lost to drugs. A long list of names representing an overdose crisis in this city. But Toronto's request to decriminalize the personal possession of illicit drugs, what some experts call a life-saving move, has been sitting in the hands of Health Canada for more than a year now. A lot of this could be addressed in other ways rather than in the criminal justice system. It could be addressed through increased access to community, increased access to social supports, housing, um, food. Toronto's exemption request is similar to a program that took effect in British Columbia today, where substance users caught with up to 2.5 grams of cocaine, methamphetamine, MDMA and opioids won't face arrest or fines. Unlike in BC, Toronto has requested all illicit drugs to be decriminalized without outlining what quantity constitutes personal use. People who are criminalized have a criminal record. They can't rent a place because people check uh, criminal records. It means they can't get employment because potential employers check criminal records. So it means that these people are at risk of really being pushed into a downward spiral. Health Canada did not provide a timeline for possible approval, telling CTV News in a statement today that it continues to work in close partnership with Toronto Public Health on their exemption request to ensure both public health and public safety considerations are included. Some experts say it's time for a national strategy. 
in the city of Toronto, people would not be arrested and not be subject to arrest for possession of a small amount of substances, but people right next door in Peel would still risk jail time for this. And so there's a, a fundamental issue of injustice um, at stake here. Toronto Public Health says it intends to monitor the effects of the BC decriminalization program and will submit a follow-up submission to Health Canada this year. Natalie Johnson, CTV News. In New Mexico, involuntary manslaughter charges have been filed against actor Alec Baldwin in the fatal shooting of a cinematographer. Alina Hutchins died after being wounded during rehearsals on the set of the film Rust in 2021. Baldwin was pointing a pistol when the gun went off. A probable cause statement accompanying the charges says there was no less than a dozen acts or omissions of recklessness in the short period before lunch and the shooting. Baldwin has denied responsibility. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed is also charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. She supervised weapons on that set. Canada joined other nations today in imposing further sanctions on Myanmar. The new penalties come on the second anniversary of the coup that has left the country in chaos. Ottawa is sanctioning six members of the Myanmar's military elite. The sale and shipment of aviation fuel to the regime are also being banned. Officials say it's in response to a worsening armed conflict and the increased use of aerial attacks against civilians. The U.S., Australia and the U.K. also announced sanctions. Hundreds of people traded luggage for resumes and made the trek to Pearson today. The efforts all in the hopes of landing a new job as airport officials aim to navigate an ongoing staffing issue. Here's Mike Walker to explain. With their resumes in hand, the line snaked around the Sheridan Hotel. Many job hunters eager for an opportunity at Canada's busiest airport. I'm interested in the one I saw over there, the cleaning the plane. I'm looking like flight attendancy or other things, like, I mean, working in security. At this Pearson Airport job fair, there are more than 400 jobs available among 32 employers. Kind of get that knowledge and expertise in airport operations. Including customer service, baggage handling. Cashiers, cooks catering and security. During the pandemic, the Toronto Pearson Airport was the most shut down airport in the world. It's really important right now for the airport to fill these positions because the uh, air industry, the travel industry is only ramping up. Sorpucci Ananano is among the 2,300 people who registered. He worked at the airport for seven years in customer service, but was laid off at the height of the pandemic. Since then, I've been struggling to get in, and I said that it's a great opportunity to come and, you know, look for a job again. The labor shortage was a factor in delays and cancellations last summer and over the holidays as air travelers returned after a two-year hiatus due to COVID. We have approximately 160. The, the needs are mostly for customer service positions and uh, ramp agents, cargo agents. Leon Farrow with Swissports says filling those vacancies has been an ongoing challenge. The challenge uh, here is retention because uh, we're hiring people, we're losing people, so it's basically keep those employees interested. The Greater Toronto Airports Authority says air travel is still not at pre-pandemic levels, but many employers hoping to fill the gaps ahead of an anticipated surge of travelers at the March break. We'll take over. Jeff Rumble is with Menzies, which is responsible for fueling most airlines. We're currently hiring between six to ten people every two weeks. I would say in the next two to three months, if it's filled, that would be good. But then again, the next two or three months, that number might change. In addition to the mass hiring, Pearson is launching a new jobs portal this spring, as well as a pilot program to speed up security clearances for employees. Mike Walker, CTV News.
Would you be able to tell the difference between homework done by a human and artificial intelligence? Still to come, an Etobicoke student has found a way to tell which is real, and teachers are lining up to catch students trying to take a shortcut. Overseas in Pakistan, Monday's deadly bombing at a mosque is raising concern about security at a time when the Taliban has stepped up attacks. 100 people were killed, at least 225 injured in the blast inside a walled police compound. Authorities are scrambling to determine how the suicide bomber was able to carry out the attack. It's believed those responsible must have had inside help to gain access. The country's defense minister is blaming the Pakistani Taliban for the attack. Ukraine says it will receive up to 140 Western tanks in a first wave of deliveries. Several allies have pledged to send the heavy weapons, including Canada. Our military is providing at least four Leopard 2 tanks. Kyiv said today it is getting tanks from a coalition of 12 countries, but no timeline for any of the deliveries was given. Time will also be needed for training. Pope Francis demanded today that foreign powers take their hands off Africa. The pontiff arrived in the Democratic Republic of Congo to begin a six-day visit to the continent. During his speech, he spoke of the country's vast minimal mineral resources and the foreigners eager to exploit them. The pope also denounced the centuries-long exploitation of Africa by colonial powers. He will also visit South Sudan. Canada Post is honoring a woman of great courage and conviction during Black History Month. This is the Chloe Cooley commemorative stamp. Her actions led to the gradual abolition of slavery in Upper Canada. In 1793, Cooley resisted as she was kidnapped by a man who forced her onto a boat to the United States where she was enslaved. Some who heard her screams told the story to Lieutenant Governor John Graves Simcoe. He used testimony about the incident to introduce legislation limiting slavery in what is now modern-day Ontario. And tomorrow marks the beginning of Black History Month, a chance to honor and celebrate the legacy of black Canadians. Tonight, CTV's Janice Golding with a preview of some of the local exhibitions and an interview with the woman behind the movement. In the center of an exhibition called Black Women in Leadership, you'll see a leader central to Canada's black history movement. It's always a challenge to look at yourself and be objective, but that's me. And, um, and this is me. Rosemary Sadler, former president of the Ontario Black History Society. I initiated the National Declaration of February as Black History Month, building upon the community of interest that I had helped to create by doing thousands, 2,000 presentations in schools, community organizations, and uh, corporate spaces. In 1995, Sadler helped make Black History Month a national annual event. And this art exhibit at the Toronto Archives is part of what she made possible. A celebration of 40 black female community leaders made visible through the lenses of emerging black photographers. I think that it's a long time in coming, finding, you know, purposefully and intentionally selecting out black women who've made a contribution in a number of different fields. It's amazing. So Mrs. Pipkin came to Canada through the Underground Railroad. The Dismantle exhibit just down the road is another celebration of black history. A reimagining of Spadina House had the home's laundress actually been its matriarch. So the reason why we're doing this is because of lack of representation of black community and black culture shown in history. And what would happen if you saw these things in a reverential light? 
More than a half dozen artists, including Gordon Shadrach, fused past and present, creating textile pieces and sculptures, as well as paintings of prominent black Canadians who are meant to visually represent Mrs. Pipkin's descendants. So when you see these portraits, they're very strong, they're very bold. The gaze is often looking into the viewer because this is a way that black communities weren't ever seen or portrayed. So a lot of this is for healing. The Dismantle exhibit runs until May 28th, while the Black Women in Leadership exhibition runs until August 31st. Janice Golding, CTV News. Coming up, we take you to a local elementary school, home to a flood of new students from Ukraine who fled the war. How staff are helping the kids cope with the trauma. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, rising interest rates, inflation, the price of groceries. It's no wonder many Canadians are feeling anxious about their finances. A new survey finds many people say they're cutting back on their spending and some are considering getting a second job. All of my report, that's just ahead. Well, January is ending on a cold note, but this month was mild. In fact, we had 27 days above seasonal and we had more rain than snow. As we enter February, we're keeping an eye on the daily record lows. Believe it or not, we could break at least one of these temperature records this week. I'll show you when coming up in your weather forecast and stay with us. We've got another great night of full shows for you right here on CTV. A new survey finds many Canadians are increasingly concerned about their financial situation in the face of ongoing inflation and rising interest rates. The recent figures also show Canadians filing for bankruptcy has reached its highest level in almost three years. Pat Foran has more on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Michelle and Raheem. For companies that deal with debt, this is really no surprise. Everything is costing more and many people have not seen increases in their income. Something has to give and for many people it means cutting back. For some, it means getting a second job. If you feel like your paycheck isn't going as far as it used to, you're not alone. Inflation's making everything harder. Everything is going very high. A new consumer debt survey by the Credit Counseling Society finds many Canadians are feeling anxious, concerned and pessimistic about their financial future. It's no longer just a certain segment that is feeling the pinch, it's everyone feeling the pinch. 82% say spending on essential goods is the main cause of their worsening finances, and 63% plan to make cutbacks to their expenses, especially on food. We all need groceries, we all need some gas or bus money, and those costs are going up. So it isn't just as simple as not taking the vacation this year or cutting back on some extra holiday spending. It is the everyday essentials we all need. As groceries, gas, rents and interest rates all go up, it's pushing many Canadians to the brink. Insolvency trustee Bromwich and Smith says bankruptcies and consumer proposals are at their highest level since March of 2020. We're seeing a steady increase in insolvencies and I predict over the next 6 to 12 months that increase will continue. The debt survey also found 42% have experienced an increase in debt in the past year and that 35% would consider getting a part-time job if things get worse. Many debt collection companies took a break from collecting during the pandemic, but not anymore. Creditors now are saying, well, that's over. 
we need to start collecting this debt. And they are being quite aggressive in some cases. Anyone feeling overwhelmed by their financial situation is urged to reach out for help. To understand that you're not alone and there are resources out there, whether it's a not-for-profit credit counseling agency, whether it's your financial institution or a trusted friend. And the debt survey also found while many people have savings to fall back on, if they need extra money, they're also using credit cards, borrowing from banks and other institutions, and even asking friends and family for money. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. In the U.S., more than 40 million people are under various winter weather alerts. An ice storm advanced eastward today, causing numerous collisions on the roads. There was one fatality in Texas. Watches and warnings stretch from the western part of the Lone Star State all the way to West Virginia. The weather also caused the cancellation of more than 1,700 flights nationwide. Several rounds of mixed precipitation are expected in many areas through tomorrow. Well, the glass half full way to look at it is we don't have that kind of weather pattern here and also you know sunglasses blue sky sunshine mm -hmm. glass half empty was you needed about 12 layers if you're going outside today <laughs> i know what a way to end the month of january we're gonna call it frigid february will be the this is probably it's got to be the coldest week of the year today was our coldest january day on the wow. last day of the month and yes we do have our coldest uh, air of the season on our way for later this week interestingly enough all that active weather stateside not impacting us here in the lower Great Lakes, all because of the position of the jet stream. It's a little bit lower right now, which is keeping that low pressure system south of the border. But the trade off is we're getting colder air from the Arctic and we're going to be feeling it for a few days. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Now, every once in a while, we throw this phrase into the mix, the polar vortex. And the reason we're talking about that is because, yes, there's a lobe from the pole that's extending southward and it is going to bring us some very cold air especially as we make our way into the day Friday and right through Saturday morning. Then we get a little bit of relief into Sunday. Temperature expected to be suddenly back above freezing and we're even milder as we make our way into next week with some rain in the forecast. Your seven day forecast is coming up, but not right now. It is frigid in many different parts of Canada. Wind chill of minus 52 this hour in Baker Lake, minus 45 in Churchill and minus 44 in Hopedale. We're starting to see some of that colder air sink a little bit further to the south. There are extreme cold warnings in effect, uh, much like yesterday. There's also a special weather statement now for the province of Quebec. It is going to get uh, bitterly cold in Montreal and Quebec City over the next couple of days. We still have that extreme cold weather alert in effect for the city of Toronto. Overnight tonight, we're forecasting a low of minus 13 degrees. That's close to the coldest temperature we've had all season. That was Christmas Eve at about uh, almost minus 15 degrees. Tomorrow, minus 5 for the daytime high. Once again, we're expecting some sun, so that's a nice trade-off. There's some active weather, a little bit of snow making its way off of Georgian Bay. Snow squall warning in effect, a watch further to the south, and a winter weather travel advisory for some areas too. Not a whole lot of active weather in the short range. Once again, 
We're expecting uh, some sun into tomorrow. I do want to mention for Thursday, though, there's a cold front that's going to sink further to the south, likely to bring us a burst of flurries for Thursday evening, and then the temperature is going to drop. So we go from minus 1 during the day to minus 18 at night, and there's Friday. Minus 12 for the high. Overnight low is minus 24. We will be feeling that into Saturday morning, and then we've got flurries in the forecast for both Saturday and Sunday. Look at that by next Tuesday. We're up around four degrees once again. That's a look at your forecast. Stay with us. We'll be right back here on CTV News. An Etobicoke school is launching a significant health initiative to help its young students who suffer with anxiety. As our health reporter Pauline Chan explains, the motivation is a product of two important events, one of which is connected with the brutality of war. They call this the coping toolbox, a wall at the heart of St. Demetrius Catholic School where elementary students can pick up tips on how to cope with their emotions. How do they regulate their emotions from, you know, a negative state or an angry state into a positive one we're ready to learn? And it's been especially important because 40% of the student body is now made up of students who came from Ukraine because of the Russian invasion last February 24th. My mother sister. She's uh, live uh, here with her family. That's how Adriana Tretiak came to Canada. And while her father was recently able to join the family, he spent 10 months left behind in Ukraine. He needed to work uh, in uh, Kyiv, the capital of Ukraine. And there it was like um, a lot of fighting and I was worried. Diana Dementieva, also in grade 8, says the coping toolbox has been helpful with children who've been uprooted from their homes by a brutal war. Some of them have had to like live in that like terrible life for a couple of months. So I think it helps them, one, to not feel so alone in this and two, to kind of direct their emotions into something a little better than feeling so sad. We're very fortunate that we have the Ukrainian language around us, that we have the traditions here. So at least the children feel that they belong. They feel that they can communicate. It takes a lot of stress off of them to be able to do that. So the launch of this was meant to sort of begin Bell Let's Talk Day and then continue right into the one-year anniversary. Uh, we will be having a prayer service for Ukraine. We'll be having our social worker will be on site for that as well. And for support outside of class, the school has told students about Kids Help Phone, which now offers services in Ukrainian. Pauline Chan, CTV News. The Juno nominations are out, and once again, the weekend is leading the pack. The Toronto singer has received six nods, including Album of the Year for Dawn FM, Single of the Year for Sacrifice, and Artist of the Year. But two other performers are not far behind. Napanese Avril Lavigne and newcomer Tate McRae have, found, have four nominations each, including Best Single and Best Album. The Junos are March 13th in Edmonton. Well, imagine having the lives of hundreds of thousands of people depending on your weather forecast. Mm -hmm. That was the case on June 6, 1944, D-Day. And now there is a new play which explains how that forecast changed the tide on World War II. Andrea Case has the story today. Michelle and Raheem, good evening. You think... Uh that our friend over here, Lindsay, has it rough every day, but no, she does not. Everything had to be perfect for D-Day for it to be a success, but little is known about the decision and how it was made, when to strike. Now the North American premiere of the play, Pressure, tells that story. 
We're faced with four, soon to be five, storms in the Atlantic. The story behind the play pressure is taken from true events. You know, I'm not a weatherman, Dr. Stagg, but you expect me to believe that forecast? I mean, look out the window, for God's sakes. Dr. James Stagg was tasked with forecasting the weather which determined the date of the D-Day invasion on the beaches of Normandy in France during World War II. This weather is likely to last at least two to three days, Saturday, Sunday, and most likely Monday. The Allies were banking on good weather, but that wasn't in the forecast. It's probably the most, I would say, it's probably the most important weather forecast in history. In the role of Stag, actor Kevin Doyle, familiar to Canadian audiences as the valet Joseph Mosley on the Downton Abbey series and films. He starred in the play on the London stage and was supposed to bring the show to Toronto in 2020, but there was no doubt he would not wait out the pandemic. I thought the play was beautifully written. That's why I wanted to stay with it. Um, and I'd learnt the part. As a child, he had no idea what he would become. I became an actor because I didn't think I had any other options. He had friends who were involved in the theatre and he saw the joy it brought them. I went to a, an audition and um, my life changed, actually. They accepted me and had they not, I can't imagine where my life would be now, actually. For now, his life is in Toronto as the play Pressure runs at the Royal Alexandra Theatre until March 5th. So I'm quite looking forward to experiencing a, a Canadian winter. I'm so looking forward to the, to the really cold temperature. Careful what you I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's coming. Doyle is a very busy actor. And while he enjoys being the lead in Pressure, he says he's not averse to supporting roles, which have brought him lots of recognition. I'll admit the affable Mosley was one of my favorites on Downton Abbey. Reporting live, I'm Andrea Case. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thanks, Andrea. Ontario had its very own category on Jeopardy last night. Ontario, 1,000, please. Zombies, and not the slow ones, are making their way from Detroit to this city across the Ambassador Bridge. Sam. What is Windsor? Correct for a thousand. That was the toughest clue in the category called Worst Case Ontario. Obviously, all of the clues in this category were related to imaginary situations. It is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Coming up, a Toronto student invents a tool to catch those who dare pass off essays and other pieces of writing written by AI. This is as their own effort to curb a revolution in writing. Celebrating black leaders. Tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast, Argo's icon and GM Mike Pinball Clemens on his mission to honor trailblazers in the community. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. New data suggests GTA rents will likely keep rising this year. The Toronto Regional Real Estate Board says the market is being driven by strong demand and low supply. The average rent for a one-bedroom condo increased by 19% in the fourth quarter of 2022 to more than $2,500 a month and nearly $3,200 for a two-bedroom condo. Treb says rental prices are also being affected by the recent spike in interest rates, forcing prospective home buyers to shift to the rental market. Well, while those are some of the challenges facing people trying to enter the housing market, one woman says she's being forced out of a home she's already living in. After 30 years in the same Parkdale apartment, she's being evicted following the death of her mother. CTV's Beth McDonnell has her story. So this is mom's bed. Um... 
For 36 years, Janice Walker and her mother made this one-bedroom apartment in Parkdale home. Walker came from Jamaica in 1987. Couldn't leave her. I never have the heart to leave her. It's like the two amigos. It's the two of us, you know, and losing her, it's... It's not easy. Then, at the end of December, Walker's mother, at 91, died. When she informed the building of her passing, Walker was shocked to learn she was listed as an occupant, not a tenant. Condition that you sign a document. That was followed up with a letter stating she'd have to pay about 50% more to live here in February. Respond in two days or the eviction process would be started, a date which has now passed. To make matters worse, Walker says she approached a supervisor several years ago to be listed as a tenant and was under the impression the change had been made. Walker was her mother's caregiver and works in retail. The rent is under $1,100 right now and she says she can't afford more. Walker worries about being homeless. I haven't got a chance to mourn, like really mourn. Where am I gonna live? What are these people gonna do? The Myriad Group, which owns and manages the building, says its offer is the very best lease rate for a one bedroom in the area. And it's an offer which reflects Walker's particular circumstances, which would allow her to stay in the apartment. Adding, we are committed to working with Ms. Walker to explore the best resolution possible. We assure you our actions and offer are in full accordance with landlord rights granted to us under the Residential Tenancies Act. This isn't the first time Walker faced eviction. In the summer, Walker, her mother and dozens of others were threatened with eviction after years of having air conditioning units and not paying extra to power them suddenly appeared to be getting enforced. Walker complied, pulled out the AC, got fans, and dealt with the sweltering heat. Because you see eviction notice. I have a mom who is in a bed that can't move. The company tells CTV News it has since reached a resolution with tenants. Parkdale Organize, which supports tenants, says the evictions never went to hearings. But the tactics used by the company are part of a pattern. All over the city, uh, landlords are displacing tenants for profit. Uh, they want as much money as they can get out of the units. They think it's their you know, right to, to, to get market rent. Walker wants her name put on the lease and doesn't want to pay more in rent. The company is asking her to respond to the offer so the matter can be resolved swiftly. I, I keep saying, where is the human compassion? Compassion Walker hopes the landlord finds soon. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. WestJet confirmed today it has suspended service to Europe from Toronto. Flights from Halifax and Vancouver are also suspended. The airline says the move is part of strategic decisions it's making to its transatlantic service to cope with capacity issues. WestJet says the temporary changes will help it reposition its investments to better serve passengers in the future. Campers across Canada can start booking reservations in March. Parks Canada has updated its reservation system, and the bookings are a couple months later than recent years because the system needed some upgrades. The reservation dates are posted online and are different at each national park, historic site, and marine conservation area. Well, on the markets, the loony was up almost half a cent to 75.16 U.S. American oil gained at 97 cents to close at 78.87 U.S. dollars a barrel. And the TSX Composite Index added 195 points to end the day at 20,767.
Ontario's fiscal watchdog says the province is still in good standing with creditors. The Financial Accountability Office says the four credit rating agencies have all recently reaffirmed their ratings for the province. The FAO cites a economic post-pandemic surge as one of the reasons Ontario ranks fifth in credit ratings among Canadian provinces. That was the sound of a rock and a whole lot of roll from Hawaii. The moments a boulder crashed through a home. Four people were inside at the time. Luckily, no one was injured. Officials say the shocking invasion followed days of heavy rain. Well, this next story might not shock you as much, but it may have already pushed its way into your lives. It's about a new artificial intelligence tool gaining steam with students and workers alike and how one Toronto man is trying to outsmart it. CTV's Sean Lethong explains. When Edward Tian was home for Christmas break, he created an app that cuts right to the heart of a technological revolution. Started when I was just home over holidays in Toronto, I built out GPD Zero, which is an app that detects if an essay is written by AI or humans. Talking from his dorm room at Princeton University, the fourth year computer science major says he was stunned at the reaction. 40,000 teachers from 30 countries have signed up to use GPT Zero. Thanks to its ability to help educators tell if a piece of writing is authentic or if it's been created by an artificial intelligence program like ChatGPT. This ChatGPT technology is such a brilliant innovation, but it's like opening a Pandora's box and there's a host of potential for misuse and abuse. So we need to build the safeguards so that these new technologies are adopted responsibly. Since ChatGPT was released last November, it has begun to redefine how humans find information. Type in a question, and unlike Google, the answer will come written in conversational language. ChatGPT has the ability to write a poem, a story, or even an essay, making some educators uneasy. Uh, what's important to remember is that ChatGPT and GPT-0 are two sides of the same coin. So GPT-0 is using ChatGPT against itself. As an experiment, we asked ChatGPT to write a news story about itself. Within seconds, text appeared. We then copied the text and plugged it into GPT-0. Sure enough, the results saying the text may include parts written by AI. And I think it's just about the parameters that we set as educators around new technologies, whether we want to use that technology to stimulate and inspire our creativity or whether we want to use it to stifle our creativity. Marcus Geisler says he's excited about these tools and is using AI with his students, but he says they should only be a starting point. Tian says he's working to create a program that's more robust and accessible. The aim right now is to keep this free for all like teachers and educators. And he says his new program will figure prominently in his senior thesis. Sean Lethong, CTV News. We are continuing to follow breaking news out of Markham. A two-month-old baby has been critically injured following an incident at a hotel. Police have taken a man into custody and say there is no threat to public safety. CTV's Siobhan Morris is live at the scene in Markham and joins us with the latest on the investigation. What can you tell us at this point? Michelle, there's so many unanswered questions at this point in time. Uh, first of all, I guess how this infant was injured. We know the infant was two months old. Police aren't able to share with us at this point whether this was a boy or a girl, how they were injured. But we know those injuries are 
severe enough to be uh, that baby is in critical care tonight. There's no information yet either about the relationship between the infant and the man that's now in custody. We don't have any information yet either about what kind of charges that man may eventually face or why it is that this man was taken into custody in the first place. There is a police presence here at this hotel in Markham. We are expecting to hear an update from police a later, later, later on. Reporting live from Markham, I'm Siobhan Morris. I'll send it back to the newsroom. Thank you, Siobhan. Tonight, new debate over the cost of quarantine hotels. Has anybody been fired for this waste? To protect the safety and the health of Canadians. Six million taxpayer dollars in one year for a hotel to house a handful of people. Later on CTV National News. On air, online, on every platform. Escape tragedy by mere moments. CTV News Toronto. A story you'll only see here. Winner of the Canadian Screen Award for Best Local Newscast. We have developing details. Watch weeknights at 6. I have no interest in watering down what Ontario is already doing. So if, if uh, the federal standards don't meet our standards, I have no, uh, 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 no qualms about saying... Uh, uh, that we will continue to follow Ontario's high standards. Updating our top stories, the province will review new long-term care guidelines released by the federal government today. Notable recommendations include residents receiving at least four hours of direct care daily and improved pay for staff. Also, police are on the scene of a troubling incident in Markham where an infant was discovered at a hotel this afternoon with critical injuries. A man was taken into custody and the child is now in hospital. No word yet if the man and the baby were known to each other. It's no longer just a certain segment that is feeling the pinch, it's everyone feeling the pinch. And a new consumer debt survey finds many Canadians are concerned about their financial future. More than 60% of people are planning to cut back on their expenses, particularly on food. The survey also found more than 40% of people experienced an increase in debt in the past year, with 35% considering getting a part-time job if things do not improve. Another big story this week is the cold. If you think it's cold now, get ready for it to get a lot colder, dangerously cold, in fact. Absolutely. You know, we haven't experienced wind chills quite like this in a number of years. We're talking it feeling not quite uh, like the minus 20s, but maybe feeling like the minus 30s by the end of this week. So tonight, by comparison, is a pretty good night to spend some time outside if you're dressed for it, of course. Here's a look at your evening skate forecast in case that's something that you'd like to do. Uh, the evening's not quite as cold as the early morning, so keep that in mind. If you like to head outside for an early morning jog, you will want to dress appropriately for that as well. The afternoon tomorrow brings us to about minus 5 degrees. We've got a mix of sun and cloud in the forecast. It's possible that some areas are going to see a little more cloud than we had today, but even those sunny breaks are quite nice. Once again, I'm going to pause this here to show you our coldest window of opportunity, which begins late Thursday night, continues through the day on Friday, and then overnight into Saturday is where the wind chills will be dangerously cold, but also the core temperature itself. We could end up breaking a daily temperature record, and that's if we reach our forecast overnight low of minus 24 degrees. It's going to feel like minus 24 Friday after Afternoon, and then the weekend starts to bring us some relief. In fact, by Sunday, we're back above freezing. And by next Tuesday, Michelle and Raheem, we have some light rain in the forecast. Ooh, okay. Thank you so much, Lindsay. And that's it for us. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night.